content warning for this episode. Uh, in this episode, there is mentions of child sex abuse, sexual assault, and description of cults. I put them away. Put the grapes away. I put them away. Whenever you're ready. I, I'm going to suck on it. You go for it. Hello and welcome to The Cop On, where we make sense of things you probably don't care about with a hefty side of lukewarm social critique. I'm Ash and your dad sells Avon. I'm Lucy and I know where Shelley Miskiewicz is. I'm Julia and I'll drink the Kool-Aid, but only if it's sugar-free. So welcome back. Uh, Maybe if you haven't guessed from our introductions this week, we are talking all about cults Um, and we're going to go through some of our I was gonna say favorite cults but I don't think they're our favorite I don't think can you have a favorite cult I think I might be on a list if this was my favorite cult the one that I've chosen <laughs> they're just uh cults that interest us and um, we're gonna talk you through them and all of the batshit insanity that comes with them uh but first of all we're gonna talk about the crazy situation that has come out that we've all found out about that um the Department of Justice has been monitoring uh, people's tweets, uh, tweets specifically in relation to direct provision and tweets that are um, against direct provision. Uh, So anything against direct provision is being monitored. I think even if you retweet Um, something. It's like, even if you share a link and stuff, I think it's not so much like, it'll say how many retweets there are and stuff and what your opinion. So I don't know how... I'm not sure how the reports got into people's hands. I think they're publicly. I think they're public. I think they're published publicly because everyone seemed to have them. Yeah. Well, I think it's because um, what's it, is it Eileen or Ellen Coyne? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh Ellen Coyne. She put in a, an ask for freedom of information, and then they had to release the info to her because if you look at her thread about it after she retweeted the article. Um, she has like screenshots of different things. Not, I think that's where everybody's getting it from. Yeah, uh-huh. well, that was quite clever. That's a classic mm. Ellen Coin move. So, for those who don't know who, what direct revision is, it's basically um incarceration of refugees within the Irish state, uh, where we they people remain in direct provision for up to around like can remain in direct provision for around eight years. Am I correct? Oh, more in 14, 12, up to 14, 14, 12. Yeah like it's supposed to be a temporary solution but it ends up being just like a long term you get a 20 euro allowance per week and you must sustain your family on it um and also obviously it's co-living but the government hasn't really come out and said what the practices are during covid so direct provision is not great anyway yeah it's pretty horrific it's all um like privately owned as well so they're basically ran for profit um but like a number of celebrities were said to be on this report like uh hosier is it marion keys yeah marion yeah. <laughs> they put her as the the image on i think it was the independent it was just a picture of her and marion keys retweeted it being like pretty i think she just retweeted it being just like yep yeah, i said it yeah i kind of like because like hosier then um like quote retweeted it being like yeah well now i know that you're listening so i stand by my point and loads people have come out and said that i mean like you're listening and you're we're compiling all of our tweets so you know how horrific it is uh why aren't you doing anything like why are you collecting this what for why are you wasting time and money on collecting this information as opposed to actually doing something about the horrific situation that is direct provision it's not even tweets that are doing numbers like some of them are like pretty low-key tweets that have like three retweets and two likes yeah that's the yeah. scary part. Like now I'm kind of like, oh, have I tweeted about direct revision? I, I honestly think because they went into even retweets and stuff. So 
probably anyone that has had anything to do with any like saying anything bad about it is 100% on that list and they just had tweet after tweet after tweet from Masai as well and I was like I think you could just be in direct dialogue with Masai if you wanted to mm-hmm. I suppose like I kind of like that you could kind of gain fame from it like I think maybe we should when we talk about this episode we should t- type in direct provision just so we can be imagine it's the only time we're going to be on the same list as Hosea really just capitalizing <laughs> off this why not if they're going to capitalize off direct provision obviously that's the joke i do think direct provision is horrific and i hope they hear this and then i get to be put on a list uh yeah and if you are listening and direct provision you wankers and direct provision that's it simple simple as it's pretty gross very simple i suppose like it's it'd be kind of strange if people were pro-direct provision like none of the tweets were pro-direct provision (laughs) but i think if someone tweeted like i actually am for this it would just be kind of strange i don't think they would even end up it's like only tweets that are saying direct provision is bad they're like i think they'd have to monitor both sides i think they're just solely going after people who are criticizing the government that's kind of culty smooth segue (laughs) speaking of cults Back to our main topic. Uh, so, yeah, as I said earlier, we're discussing cults. Um, we're each going to go through a kind of famous cult. I don't know. Maybe you've heard of all of them. Maybe you've heard of none of them. They could be kind of niche. But, yeah, we're going to give you the little lowdown. Um, we're only going to talk a little bit about them and try to cram in as much information as possible. But I really think after this podcast that you should go and uh, research them some more because these three cults are completely fascinating um and the stories are just insane <laughs> so i thought i was being super cool and super niche although i chose like one that was like number four in search, search results so that was pretty i know it's kind of i think it's existed in the it was quite existed a lot in the uk which is kind of why i chose it because it's closer to home um i will be speaking about <laughs> tonight matthew i will be um the children of god cult boop, boop, boop. um they're pretty famous. They're pretty well known. Um, they've had some celebrity followers, which I'm going to save. But I'd say if you've heard of them, you know who they are. Um, but basically, to summarize what they're about, the Children of God cult um, has been known as like multiple names. So it's originally started as the Children of God. Actually, no, sorry. It started as Teens of for Christ and then Children of God. And then it became the Family of Love. And then it became the Family. And then it became Family International. I think they're just trying to rebrand as a global like a global network then they were like oh it doesn't sound like we've hit this many countries so family international which kind of sounds like i don't know it kind of reminds me of pitbull because he's mr worldwide oh. you know i just don't know why but i have like the hiltons just in my head like they just own a hotel now called family international, called family international yeah. it does sound kind of like it sounds fun but don't worry it's not <laughs> <laughs> don't worry this is not a fun cult <laughs> it's not fun um so the sect believes, and this is where they, this is the general feeling of it. The sect believes that the ultimate love of God and the connection with God is of a, a sexual relationship with God. So when you masturbate and perform sexual acts, God is with you. Ah. And that is how you love, that's how you and God love like each other. he's watching. No, he's with you. Like, like he's doing it with you. Yeah, he's like there. He's like it's taking spiritual control of your hands and stuff like that. No, like, guys, can you just take it seriously you? for a half a second? What if they're listening? <laughs> they believe... No, he's not. It's like, he's like spiritually with you. Like, he's like a presence in the room and you're like, oh, okay. God. Okay. I think. All right. That's what it's like. Too. 
I don't think God gets off. Actually, maybe he does. It's not really clear. Like they don't really go into God getting off. Um, in their teachings, God, oh no, hang on, they kind of do. God loved sex because sex is love and Satan hates sex because he's bad. Duh. So it's kind of the flip of the usual Catholic teachings. Um, so God's <laughs> like, yeah, do it. And Satan's like, boo, sex. It begins as this small group of misfits. So like hippies and runaway teens on beaches in California. Very like kind of like Lana Del Rey definitely like models herself off like uh, like perspective child of God. Um, so it's people on the outskirts of society who really needed to find a community. So it's founded by this guy, David Berg, who's an evangelist. Um, it's in the late 60s. So it's like the free love era. You know, mm-hmm. it's not a great time for America, but everyone's trying to make the most of it by having loads of sex. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Like, that's what it sounds like when you watch movies. Yeah. And or, or, yeah. I mean, what else do you have to do? Take that's drugs it. And have sex. That's it. They're like, so we're going to take drugs, have sex, get kicked out of my home. I'm a hippie. I have nothing to do. I'm really sad. So there's this man, David Berg, who's like, oh, how about... He's like, I'm going to combine the two things I like, which is Jesus and free love. And that's why this whole thing, like, have sex for Jesus comes about, mm. where Jesus wants to, to fuck you, maybe. Um, So it's like the typical setup where, like, this starts growing, like, communes and houses. And, you know, the people in the communes don't have jobs. So they're very reliant on the sect. Um, and they really have to spread the message, you know, like, like all where it's like your whole job is that you have to, like, spend a certain amount of time per day. Um, getting people on board so it was it was actually renamed to the family of love post the Jonestown massacre because apparently it would sully their name um, more to be associated with the Jonestown massacre rather than spoiler alert the rampant rape and sexual assault among their own group um, so they were like no gotta gotta distance yourself from Jonestown we're just gonna do other atrocities um, members who joined state their homes and belongings were given up to the sect so like with most cults it's like the typical set of your belongings are now ours. And then there is like, so there's a Netflix documentary about this as well, which is really handy for my research. Research. It's called Children of God. So it's not difficult to find. And it's a woman who in the, I think she's from the UK. Her family kind of became, she introduced her family to children of, actually, no, she was born into it. And she was basically like, yeah, so they took my, they took my home. And then I was trying to go into the kitchen one time where they were like, oh, get out. And she was like, what the hell? This used to be my home. So just like weird, like you're just, Suddenly you got like the typical occult setup where you become super dependent on them because they have everything you own. You have nowhere else to go. They split you away from your social circles and your support groups, blah, blah, blah. Um, those who joined were really solid in the belief of God, which I think with the, like with this type of cult, like and it became labeled a sex cult because, well, of everything I said. With this kind of group, you kind of think sometimes like, oh, maybe they weren't actually that religious. These people were super religious. They genuinely were into God. Um, so the mission that David Berry kind of wanted to spread was one of like revolution and happiness with a strong hint of God and free love. So all four of them. <laughs> it's like, how is he going to do it? Like you kind of go like, how is he going to do it all at the same time? But wait, he barely touches on them. the first two. He kind of forgets about revolution after a while. And he's like, eh, let's just have sex. Just sex, please. <laughs> yeah, let's just have sex and talk about God. Let's make love. <laughs> um, so although he was originally a hippie who's all like beach vibes, whatever, he suddenly starts running it like a totalitarian regime, which is a surprise to oh, absolutely no wow. one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who would have guessed? A man in power runs mm. something like a totalitarian regime. So just like imagine like you being like a hippie runaway and being like, I want to find like-minded people who believe in the free love movement. And then suddenly you've got some man who's like, here's exactly what you have to do all the time. And now you must have sex all the time. Ooh, yuck. 
obviously it happened quite gradually. Um, members say that things could only be done with his explicit permission, which was quite difficult because nobody had seen him before. Nobody knew what he looked like. Nobody knew his whereabouts. What? So oh he's like, God, yeah. What? Yeah, sorry. He just basically didn't exist. Like from after like a few, like maybe after like 10 years of Children of God, nobody, like most people who are, because they spread so rapidly across the world. I think they were in like something like 36 countries or something massive. Uh, then it was like, you had to have permission from him to do everything. He also had no idea who he was. And like, there was like very few pictures of him. Just ah. illustrations. And we'll get to that because that's my favorite part of this. Um, in literature from Children of God, so they're, like, they're basically scripture. Uh, Berg appeared in drawings only. He never allowed photos, nor did he preach publicly. And his location was kept like really tightly under wraps. Um, members community, this is my favorite thing. These, these were actually the original camcorder cult. Oh, what do you mean? Oh, so they recorded their videos, um, literally like they recorded every day of their life and sent it to David Berg, and like, oh, like a vlog. Yeah, it was a vlog. It was like the original YouTube. Welcome to my channel. <laughs> Welcome to my cult. Hi, David. <laughs> hey, guys. It's the original um, TFN. Exactly. This is the high post. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble for making that comparison. Um, so yeah, he was shown literally every detail of the day where they'd like walk around with their camcorder. Paranormal activity still, maybe. Uh, Lonely Girl. What was it? Was it Lonely Girl 16? Do you remember her on YouTube? No. Oh, she's like a diary YouTuber and she used to just sit down and say everything that happened. So I would think it was probably like that. <laughs> um, and he only corresponded back via something called the Mo Letters. So names because he went by obviously he's a psycho so he went by like nine million different names and one of them was Moses David no. uh, so they called Mo letters because of Mo- yeah I know <laughs> I know um so the Mo letters are these basically I think he was like so this is like a time when comics were really big so the Mo letters are comic book style <laughs> they're comic book style so hang on and he's writing these letters back to the people who are sending him videos so is he like watching their videos then sitting down with his crayons and doing a little comic and sending it <laughs> no, back no it's very professional it's very professional it's like a proper okay. epistle because as I said he's gathered a lot of followers across a lot of countries so they're just distrib- he has a distribution platform these are like actually pretty okay I'll give him one compliment they look quite good like professional they do like I think he had an illustrator on board who was like maybe he's just very talented how did he amass such a following if he wasn't speaking publicly? I think he might have been the beginning. It's a little bit muddy, so it's kind of okay. it's hard to kind of track when it switched between all the different mm. names and then when it got really... At the beginning, it was quite benign, where a lot of people, when you read about people who end up in Children of God, it's because they were born into it. So people tend, like then, kind of when you're coming into the 70s, 80s and 90s, people do tend to leave after a while because they're like, well, I don't have a connection to this ridiculous cult anymore. So I think that's kind of a part of it. Um, but no, it was like a really, really popular cult. Like it was one of the more one of the most popular ones. Um, people just really liked the message, I think. I think people like, think about it. We're quite liberated and we're allowed to, and I know like the 60s was like liberated too, but like it was still frowned upon, you know? So maybe mm-hmm. it was nice that if you're a Christian, you're not supposed to bone. So like, I suppose it was nice that someone was like, you're a super Christian, you're literally an evangelical Christian and you have sex. Like, that must be pretty like, appetizing. I've, I've hit the jackpot. Yeah. Out on a wank. And I get a free comic book. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> Actually, my comic books. So he makes these, like, beautiful comic books. They are quite nice. They look really professional. And they, like, c- combine 
they're like religious comic books from lads. I wish I could show you them, but it's the, it's not a visual medium, is it? Um, it was obviously, obviously. Do you reckon they were allowed to read anything else? No. Of course they weren't. So they were only allowed to read the Mo letters. Um, and basically their kind of big thing was that, oh yeah, sorry, this is why so many people were on board, kind of forgot the main part. They were basically geared up towards the end time. <laughs> ah, there it is. There's always the end I time. I forgot. That's actually really key in the story. So the end time. This like dominated their full belief system. They believed that Christ would return. Guess which year? 2020. No, 1993. So obviously it didn't happen. <gasps> I mean, I we were born. <laughs> yeah, you guys are born. So you, you guys are the, <laughs> Together, you are the end time. We are the end time. I fully agree. Um, so that was kind of their deadline. So that's why they were also invested. They were working towards the deadline that was like in sight. Mm. And like the people who were in it in the 90s were like, yeah, it was coming up pretty close. So we were getting pretty excited. Like, you're not going to leave. It's like how I met your mother. You're like, uh, better hang on. Yeah. <laughs> I've wasted this many years. I might as well just see it to the end. Like. I think that's how they felt about it. Um, so in the Mo letters, it wasn't just like fun comic books with pictures. He also told you exactly what to do with your life. This is from um, that Children of God documentary. How to wipe your ass. Not joking. Uh, this is what he said. Just three sheets as any more is a waste of money. And then you're wasting God's money interesting I, he was paying for the toilet paper yeah so it's really he, handy he's just there like i want them to do this if i tell them god wants them to yeah. do this then they'll listen don't be a dumb toilet paper waster you fucking idiot they were allowed to have two cups of coffee no more also because he paid for the coffee um <laughs> and then he also said how to wear your hair what to wear because you're gonna you're gonna see that this cult does not benefit women in any way was shape, he just or like a really tight Arsehole. He's just like, really tight. He's really tight. He's like, I don't want to spend any money on these people. He was all tight and controlling, you know, like all the good ones. I'm like sure he all was the happy good enough ones. to spend money on himself. Oh, I, I don't know. Like, I suppose like nobody will ever know. He just is. Anyway, we'll get to that part, Julia. Spoilers. <laughs> um, so then they kind of became more officially known as a sex cult then because I think they got more into the sex bits. So contraception was absolutely banned. So everyone had these massive families oh, into Children of God, which no. definitely helped them just, yeah, which helped oh, them spread. God. Yeah. So that's why there's so many, like so, so, so many people are like, I was born into Children of God because like each family was having like six kids because it's a pro-sex cult that doesn't let oh, you right. use contraception. So the Catholic Church um, got it. Yep, exactly. Berg himself believed that incest was okay as you'd be learning from your own family. And he thought that was quite a, yeah. Oh my God, no. no, 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 no I kind no. of, I don't want to say I see his point because it's not that I see his point. <laughs> but I, I understand how someone like him could believe that because the Bible is very much like you should learn to do things from your family. Yeah, So it's quite easy sex, to jump there. <laughs> not sex. <laughs> like, you know, the goggle box. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to learn from your family. Not <laughs> sex though, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh i don't think julia we're, julia's like i don't know what you're talking about um, no i do i so, have a reference <laughs> just didn't think it was funny okay um so sex was then eventually used as a form of recruitment uh it was called flirty fishing so basically the women within the group were you're going to the women within the group were basically told to go out and have sex with men to get them to join to the point that they were being enlisted in escort agencies and basically all of the communes became brothels for all intents and purposes so it became that the the main kind of like downline of this cult was that you were going out having sex but like this was it's really sad in that documentary because this woman was like i have kids and my kids knew what i was doing (gasps) 
She didn't think so they upsetting. knew. Yeah, it was really upset. Her kids are in the documentary too, and they're like, "Yeah, I knew that's what Mum was doing. Oh, she God. had no choice. Yeah, no, these people had any yeah. choice. So got to be remembered. But she was very upset. They're all very upset by this, obviously. Um, as the members were set in their mission for Christ, they didn't. They weren't like, oh, I'm being used as a, wait till you hear these phrases that he has for them. But they weren't like, oh, we're not being used as like sex workers for Jesus. We're just trying to spread the message the way that we can as women and like Mm -hmm. female sexuality, etc. That was very much a push point. Like they were always like, oh, you're a woman. You should go out and use your sexuality, blah, blah, blah. And they didn't really understand they were manipulated into the act as well being told like oh you're supposed to be pro free love like you're obviously not you don't care about spreading the word you don't care about end time so it's really easy like you know if you're in the situation especially if you're born into this yeah you're gonna do it yeah um the men so eventually the men would start giving money to the women as well so then it did just become that they were working as like sex workers mm-hmm. but the money was going straight back into the organization so of course like david berg and the higher-ups weren't going to go no to that um an official st- letter that came out, obviously in the Mo letters, stated "make it pay." So they're like, "If you're going to go out, and if you're going to, it's kind of mixed messaging." Where they're like, "Yeah, you should be going and doing it," and they're like, "If you're going to do it, make it pay." Like, yeah, I know <laughs> what. And the doctrines had phrases such as "God's whores?" question mark and oh. "hookers for Jesus," oh. "God's love slaves." Including imagery of women performing oral sex. So re- imagine this in a comic book styling. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh yep. lord. Um. So the the women's roles suddenly then in this cult became taking care of children, having children, taking care of their husband, taking care of the other men in the cult. Sorry, I didn't mention that, but obviously it's a commune situation and mm-hmm. a free love situation. So you know that these women have to have sex with everybody, and that was kind of really considered that and flirty fishing. So they're basically doing everything. And then Fuck at night time, yeah, really grim. Um, of course, David Berg includes a lot of imagery of himself with naked women in the illustrations. And in the illustrations, David Berg looks like Zeus. He's drawn himself like Zeus. I mean, why? <laughs> like, of course he's gonna. He has that much of an inflated ego. He's and not gonna the, actually show that he looks like a. And like, like, he was but... <laughs> like, by the end of it, he was like seventy, so he was, yeah, he was pretty manky. Um, but like uh, there's a lot of imagery of like him in bed having conversations that aren't related to sex but there's just like two naked women beside him who are like very nubile looking nasty pretty nubile we'll get to how nubile so a lot of the letters included graphic imagery of sex I was surprised by this because I was a bit like oh that's a lot Mm. Uh, nips and everything like vagines people also received VHS tapes because they'd gotten to that point where they could so they kind of received like educational videos where it would be like this is how you are sexual, etc. The video started to include like nude people touching each other. They show it in the documentary and it was like very soft, like sexy, sexy softcore. I know I'm not supposed to be turned on by weird videos I see from that. <laughs> but like there's like one where these two people are in a field and they're like touching on each other. And I was like, get it. Like they look like they're enjoying themselves for Jesus. So I can, I can get behind that. Just that. Just not the rest of it. You wait, guys. Not the rest of it. So the doctrines were kind of like about sharing within the group. Sex was to be had by all. It, then it became obviously more of a duty and the letters, like the letters were always to be obeyed. So if the letters were saying you need to have sex with everyone, you had to have sex with everyone. Um, if you were asked to have sex in the group and you said no, you were told that you're selfish, you're unloving, you're not working towards the mission. Um, it meant that women became a commodity within the sect. What a surprise. <laughs> um, and they, their husbands could still get with other women and you're like oh, I don't know you know like 
I suppose they were all kind of pro that, but it just went to a different stage. Members were discouraged to speak about uh, their lives in the literature. So like the, they were getting like letters being like, don't tell anyone. Like there's ones for kids that were like, if someone asks you what you're doing, just lie. They're like, just say, I don't know. Cult 101. <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't know. You're not part of a cult. What are you talking about? The belief that God is sex, which is power, which is sex, is the form of bridal theology. I find this interesting. So bridal theology is when like you're like married to God, except this is like you are sexually married to God. So when this is my this is my favorite part. So when men were told to when men were like masturbating for God, they were told to pretend to be a woman in their heads. So it wasn't gay. What? <laughs> Isn't that great? <laughs> it's not gay if you think you're a woman <laughs> they're like you have to really manifest being a woman so that Could god doesn't think like, they're gay for him i think god uh, is a woman no they no, no they had they themselves had to be no women. they obviously they're not like a god is a woman style <laughs> cult are they they're I like mean, yeah you have to be a woman in your head and they go back to being a man really quickly <laughs> jesus christ um so it's like in the document like in the documentary on netflix um, one of the girls says lupus leaves the coat from mistreatment and then listen to this this was horrific upon the word of her death David Berg mentions her in uh, the Mo letters and in the Mo letters to commemorate this woman's death Mm-mm. he includes the dream sequence comic where he meets the sister who has died and has sex with her Mm-mm. and her he includes pictures what this man is he's cracked up. and like their family had to see this like yeah. two weeks after she died that's mm-hmm. awful. Yep. Really bad. So, yeah, obviously this leaves you quite open to abuse in the setting. So, you know, it, it, you're like really heavily manipulated. So the law of love is basically that your body is not yours, but it's God's. The kind of, it leaves a lot of space to be, for people to be coerced, sexually abused, raped. What this led to in Children of God because of the doctrines becoming increasingly more, I suppose we'll talk about it, uh, increasingly more into child to adult sex meant that there was like a culture of paedophilia, incest, rape among people who are really young. Um, So a lot of the ex-members from Children of God speak of being raped, especially young women. From a really young age, they were like, yeah, people were groping me from when I was like 9, 10, 11. And then a lot of women had were like, yeah, I have friends who were raped within Children of God. Oh, my God. Berg himself at this point was running from Interpol and the FBI due to these allegations. Um, and he was living in Portugal until his death in 1994. Uh, but I think if I don't think like, yeah, he died there. So they didn't know he was in Portugal. They only found it after, I think. Oh. Well, yeah, I think so. Because otherwise they'd just go to Portugal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Interpol, like, we can come into Portugal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we have yeah. jurisdiction here. Yeah, we are Interpol. <laughs> <laughs> Three women understand Interpol on a podcast. <laughs> um, so, Barely. Yeah, so one of the girls in that documentary, when she's 11, at a party, the parents began stripping and encouraging the, the children to strip too. Yeah. So some children did. And she was like, oh, I'm not really comfortable. So she kind of like locked herself in the bathroom and everyone was saying like, honey, why don't you share your body? God gave you such oh. a beautiful body. Oh, my God. At 14, her and her sister were pressurized. So and her sister was 13, pressurized to perform strip teases for the group. Oh. In one piece of literature, David Berg encouraged sex with minors, including pictures of children who appear to be, and this is just my own guess, like six years of age with words about <gasps> lubricating their foreskin. Oh, 
Oh uh, my God. Videos of, yeah, videos of children stripping and dancing sexually were privately distrib- distributed within the family. At this point, they would have been called the family. And then at seven, one of the girls of the from that same family in the documentary was groped and fondled by someone in their own home. At nine, another sister was abused by the by a fellow member, um, and she said that he seemed to get off on abusing her. Eventually, the flirty fishing technique of, um, you know, as they said, hookers for Jesus, uh, was stopped in fear of AIDS. Oh well, yeah. Because that's it. But the, and the child sex was toned down that... publicly, but not privately. Oh, and then uh, in 1994, Berg's widow, Karen Zerby, took over. Um, then eventually they go, they kind of, sorry, not to laugh after, directly after all that awful stuff. Uh, they kind of roll back on the 1993 thing and they, they're like, it could be any time, really. And because 1993 has passed. <laughs> so I mean, they're not wrong. It could, <laughs> it could be, be at any time. <laughs> Very true. So nowadays they have stopped the sex apparently, but they still exist just as an evangelical group. So like some famous people who've been in a, a River Phoenix. So if you, a lot of people know this about River Phoenix, uh, River Phoenix was raped at the age of four. Uh, he was born into uh, Children of God. So of course, uh, Joaquin Phoenix is also in Children of God. Rose McGowan was born into Children of God uh, in oh. Italy. She, Yeah, her dad was actually, she was kind of lucky. Her dad ran the commune. Um, and her family left when the advocation for child adult sex began. So her dad was like a leader and he was like, hell no. Like That's good at least. Yeah. Okay. I'll fuck all the women in here, but they have to be of age. And it, by, this is by far the worst one. Jeremy Spencer, who was a founding member of Fleetwood Mac, he left Fleetwood Mac to become a member of Children of God. Oh. Um, oh. Actively engaged in child abuse and was charged in the UK. That's disgusting. Yep. Pretty manky. So yeah. That's the children of God. <laughs> gross, gross, gross. Yeah, really fucked up. Really uh, just cunt. horrible. Like, could you, I think it knew, it makes it worse that it's distributed through comic books. That's actually um, interesting because my cult also makes use of comic books. Oh. There is no, yeah, there's no, <laughs> nobody expected. There's no child cult. sex in, in my cult. Um, there is some blood, alleged blood drinking, but. No uh, child sex, which is my Saturday nights. Yeah. yeah, we can brush over that. We've all been there. Yeah, it's fine. So um, my cult does hail from Japan and I've tried my best to look up the pronunciations and practice these, but I may get some of them wrong. So please don't hate me if I do. It's Tokyo. <laughs> Tokyo. <laughs> that is not it. Um, okay, so the cult that I will be talking about is called Om Shin Riko. Um, they have a new name now but that's the name that they're most commonly known as so I'll just go with that. They were founded in 1984 by Shoko Asahara who was a man in his 40s and he was partially blind like so he's blind in one eye but he was like legally blind and everything that I read about him made a really big fact about this but I don't think it ever comes into play at all. (laughs) I don't know. This is a fun fact about this guy. What's his name again? Uh, Shoko Asahara. I just wanted to challenge you. But that's actually not his real name. Um, he changed to that in 1987. I forget his real name. Is it like Paul Newman or something? No, it was another Japanese name. Oh. It's <laughs> um, not Paul Newman. I like to think this guy could just be a weeaboo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it started as a yoga and meditation class in his bedroom. Um, and then it quickly grew to have more members over the years. But that's how it started off. Uh, it's not it, like such a typical, like, it you're is, not surprised at all. It is, like, uh, it exploited the spiritual vacuum left by Japan's uh, economic boom. 
and it was it offered like what seemed like an alternative to Japan's straitjacket society. Um, it was fairly controversial controversial in Japan even before it got involved in all the crimes and stuff. But even still, it attracted many highly educated and financially well-off people and soon became known as a religious group for the elite of Japanese society. A lot of graduates would leave these elite universities and then join this cult. Uh, It gained official status. Yeah. So there's a lot of rich people in here, even though they did practice and preach a lot of like giving up material possessions as every cult does. So are they so it's just like the rich people doing yoga and meditation? Uh, No, not really. Like that, that's what it starts like. off like that. Oh, they, okay. They it starts kind off of like that. don't really. It's like a mismatch of different religions. Okay, it's really weird. Um, but it gained official status as a religious organization in Japan in 1989, and Asahara picked up a sizable global following. And he was speaking at universities and writing loads of books. And at its peak, it had about 10,000 Japanese members and 30,000 in Russia. It had more followers in Russia than it did in Japan. Good for him. But it became like uh, really like the fastest growing religion in Japan during this time. Did it, did it ever become bigger than like some of the religions that would have been fringe religions in Japan? Like, are there a lot of Christians in Japan? Uh, I actually don't know. Are they Buddhist? They're, Buddhism. Buddhism. <laughs> <laughs> that is not how you say that. Uh, yeah, there would be a lot of like Buddhists. Is that the main religion in Japan? Uh, well, there's all the shrines that I saw when I was in Japan. Okay, that's the, I think so, they. I think they're Buddhist. I think there's like a Japanese Buddhism kind of thing. This kind of gets into it a little bit more. Um, so uh, in the early 1990s, Asahara published a book in which he declared himself to be Christ. He called himself the Lamb of God and Japan's only enlightened master. Uh, so he believed that it was his job to take on the sins of the world. And for that, for this reason, he could relieve anyone who followed him of their sins. He also wrote a detailed manifesto outlining his doomsday prophecy, of course, uh, which included a third word war started by the United States. Um, so, yeah, he really didn't like the United States. He huh. referred to them as the beast from the book of Revelation. Well, hey, look. And that they would. I know. I mean, not wrong. But uh, and that it would eventually attack Japan. And the only way to survive these end times was to become a member of the group. Where have you heard that one before? <laughs> I know, exactly. Um, uh, they also believe strongly in biblical prophecies, particularly those surrounding the end times. Their plan of salvation included spiritual healing to cure physical illnesses, positive thinking to improve intelligence, and living by uh, ascetic practices. So it all seems fine. Is um, that goop? Yeah. Basically, uh-huh. at the start, you do kind of think it's just like, uh, kind of it's just like they're just like a group yeah they're just doing like tantric sex and so yoga yeah uh so they're kind of beliefs they kind of take from a load of different religions so there's like early indian buddhism tibetan buddhism as well as hinduism uh they take shiva as the main image of worship and incorporate millennials ideas from christianity yoga and the writings of nostradamus as well so that's interesting they take a lot yeah so they're kind of like psychic christian Muslim Buddhists. No, there's no Islam in there. No, Hindu Buddhists. Hindu Buddhists with Christian Christianity, and there's a bit of Judaism in it as well. <laughs> yeah, it is like going to culture. So the founder claimed that he sought to restore original Buddhism, but employed Christian Malarian rhetoric in it. Um, 
And then this is where the comic books come in. So Ohm's <laughs> public relations activities included publishing comics and animated cartoons that attempted to tie its religious ideas to popular anime and manga themes, including space missions, powerful weapons, world conspiracies, and a quest for ultimate truth. Was there any sex in them? No sex. Um, but that's also, so the name of the cult in English roughly translates to ultimate truth. So it's all like truth seeking and surviving America during this third world war. Did you look at the comics? Did I look at the story? Did you look at the comics? Was no, it good art? I did not look at the comics. I just want to know if it's good art. I mean, we can after this compare, compare, <laughs> compare one <laughs> cult leader to another. To the winds of Asa, Asa yeah. We should put it on our Instagram and have our listeners vote. Yeah, do a poll. <laughs> and then they listen to the episode after and they're like, oh no, I voted on that. <laughs> <laughs> the wrong one. Um, so their publications also use Christian and Buddhist ideas to impress what he considered to be the more shrewd and educate, educated Japanese who were not attracted to boring, purely traditional sermons. So they wanted to be like really out there. And I mean, that's why they probably have comics with space missions and stuff. Um so it's like they're you're saying they're like Shiva as an icon. So is Shiva in the comics like on a rocket? <laughs> That's what it sounds like from what you've described. Yeah, they like it's so weird. I don't actually know. I need to look at these comics because just when you like dive more into this, the elements that he takes from all these different religions just kind of changes all the time. And it's like, I mean, <laughs> choose one leaders, isn't it? He's kind of like, just like that. I don't really know which one I want to go with. So how about I take all of them? Um, and also I'm the lamb of God and I'm going to take away your sins it's uh, just a so, standard cult really yeah so I mean that kind of sounds fine it's all just a bit weird religionly <laughs> but then there was also the stuff where they claimed that um, members could levitate and read minds I want to join and there was also uh, some former cult members that testified that they paid handsomely for rituals involving Asahara's hair and bath water kind of like you know you're one who sold her bath water yeah Oh. Despite the group urging followers to reject materialism, one described paying more than £6,115 in 1988 for a blood initiation where he drank what was said to be the leader's blood. It was definitely like Kool-Aid. <laughs> so really going with the whole, I am Jesus, I am like Christ, you know, drink my blood. Um, how much it, Did it say how much of the blood he drank? Was it just uh, a little bit? I don't think he'd be able to drink a good bit. I don't know. Like how much blood was he giving away? It was definitely know. like some fucking sheep blood or whatever. It, def- like, it that's definitely blood. was. Or maybe he like watered it down with a bit of sheep blood or something. Yeah. You would. Pop a bit of IV in. <laughs> and uh, a water down so, <laughs> Jesus, I think I'd rather drink blood. How much blood do you think ketchup? you could drink in one go? Um, I think like well, a shot glass. No, no, I just thought about how much is in a shot. I, like I was about to say a shot and then I thought about having a shot glass. It'd be warm. Blood. You Ugh. never drink your own blood when you get a cut and you kind of like suck on all the blood. That's yeah. not a shot glass <laughs> full of it. Think about it. Think about how sticky blood is. It'll just be all in your throat. And it tastes That's like it. coins. And it's thick, like it wouldn't go down. Like it's, it's not very like a, thick. a liquid. Oh, it no. would stay in your mouth for ages. Uh, okay. Um, no. Moving on. So you didn't yeah. say how much you drink. <laughs> Things are a bit weird. And then from the 1980s to 1995, this is where they get very violent and uh, all their crimes start beginning. So uh, I would really urge people to look more into this because I'm just going to briefly skim because they did a lot of bad shit during these years and it would be way too long for me to go into them but like they even have ties to the Yakuza and stuff oh so basically in the 1980s reports start coming out about extortion not leaving not letting members leave and drugging members with LSD cool. family of members started like anti 
um, groups and accused them of kidnapping their family members. Uh, a lawyer then named, okay, let me try and get this right, uh, Tsutsumi Sakamoto. That sounded good. Yeah. I don't speak Japanese though. <laughs> Hopefully it was good. So he had been representing families of cult members. And in 1989, along with his wife and their toddler son, they disappeared. And six years later, their bodies were found and authorities concluded they were murdered by members of um, Shinrikyo. So this lawyer who was against them, they killed him and his family. And when he went missing, they couldn't tie it to the cult. I don't even think they were thinking of the cult. And so they didn't get in trouble, which people think led to them getting very brazen. And we're like, no one's going to touch us. We can do whatever we want. We can kill anyone that doesn't like our cult. Uh, so the cult then is known to have considered assassinations of several individuals critical of the cult, such as the heads of Buddhist sects. Perfect. Got it. Uh, after cartoonist Yoshinori Kobayashi began satire rising the cult he was included on their assassination list and an assassination attempt was made on him in 1993 oh fuck they're bad bad yeah i thought they were like you know when you said extortion it was like yeah it's not that bad you're just like no. give some money and then you can leave that's not so bad no 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 like, you didn't get to leave they take your money and you just stay what and pay for like the hair and the blood and stuff oh my god like what the hell what about the hair yeah like they would take his hair it's i don't know you know what they do with them? Yeah, I think so. But the ones they bail out make little voodoo doll. So this is where stuff starts getting bad on a global more level. Worse than assassination. Oh uh, yeah. So they started to secretly manufacture sarin and VX gas in a lab at their compound, and they tested <laughs> the substances on sheep. Then proceeded to use the gas in several assassina- assassination attempts over the next year and a half. So they're manufacturing deadly chemical weapons oh in this compound. In 1994, uh, the members released a cloud of sarin into the Japanese city of Matsumoto, killing eight people and injuring 500. The targeted neighborhood was home to several judges who were sitting on the council of a real estate lawsuit, which was expected to go against um, Shinrikyo. <gasps> so, yeah. And oh when God. this happened... Did any of the judges die? Uh, I don't think any of the judges died. <sighs> but like 500 people were injured and people still have uh, side effects to this Ongoing day from effect. it. So in 1994... The, there was no ties to them. So the authorities didn't know that they had done this. And then when they start kind of getting found out is in February 1995, several cult members kidnapped Kiyoshi Kariya, a 69-year-old brother of a member who had escaped. So his sister had escaped and they were calling she him up. and kidnapped her brother. Yeah, so they, yeah, they were calling him up and being like, where's your sister? And he wouldn't tell though. And he, apparently he left a note saying, if I disappear, it was them. Oh, go ahead. And so they kidnapped him from a Tokyo street and then took him to a compound in Kamikushi. I can't get that one. I feel like nothing was going to happen to this man. They took him to a compound near Mount Fuji where he was killed. And his corpse was destroyed in a microwave powered incinerator oh. and the remnants disposed of in Lake Kawaguchi. So they had these, apparently in the compound, they had these microwave powered incinerators where they would like, like three kill minutes people. and then there's a ding. <laughs> like they would kill people. <laughs> their bodies. I don't understand the mechanics of how this worked, but they had their old microwave powered incinerators in their compounds. What? These people were oh I think you kind of forget that it's like the elite. Yeah. So like these people have money. Like David mm. Berg was like, have sex because sex doesn't cost any money. This guy's like, Y'all are rich. Build me a microwave incinerator. Yeah. Um, like there's more people who died, like people who tried to escape and they were caught and strangled, like right there Jesus. on the compound and stuff. 
But because of this um, 69-year-old man being killed, that's when the authorities started looking at the cult. And so in order to distract them... they even them, know he was killed? Like, they couldn't have found his remains because he was uh, basically they, a powdery. He was, like, they, they dumped him in the lake. They, they microwaved him and then put him in the lake. This oh, is so horrific. He left like, the note. He left the note saying... He left the note. Oh, yeah. And so they started investigating Duh. them. So in order to take away from the investigation, they decided to carry out the 1995 Tokyo subway sarin attack. Oh yeah, that's a bad was one. Which is pretty bad. Uh, so in March 1995, police were about to close in on Asahara and his followers for their role in the murder of Kiyoshi Kariya, the brother of a cult member who had escaped. Asahara was tipped off about the police investigation and decided it was time for a distraction. So on March 20th, 1995, members of Aum Shinrikyo, working under Asahara's orders, released a chemical nerve agent into the Tokyo subway system. The attackers brought liquid sarin carried in plastic bags and wrapped in newspaper onto five separate subway trains during peak rush hour. Each individual who carried a packet of sarin also carried an umbrella with a sharpened tip. Once the trains arrived <gasps> at predetermined stations, they punctured the bags of sarin with the umbrella tip. They stabbed people. Then, no, they just punctured the bags. Because it's gas. Oh. Yeah, because it's gas. And then departed oh, yeah, from the no subway. Gas. I think they had to like poison them all no. fast. No, everyone's getting stabbed. <laughs> I think they're going to have to move fast with those umbrellas. No. Um, so they punctured them, then they departed from the subway, leaving the sarin to leak out onto the train cars. Oh. A single drop of sarin is enough to kill an adult. The attack left 13 people dead and thousands injured from the effects of the nerve gas. Two decades later, many of the survivors still say that they have vision problems as a result of the sarin exposure. Um, so Nicholas Kristoff from the New York Times, uh, this is just like an excerpt from an article that he wrote, saying that um, subway entrances soon looked like battlefields as injured commuters lay gasping on the ground, some of them with blood gushing from the nose or mouth. Army troops from a chemical warfare unit rushed to the scene with special vehicles to clear the air and men in gas masks and clothes resembling spacesuits probed for clues. So like no one knew what the hell had happened. Suddenly this like chemical agent was released into the subways because it's a pretty that's a pretty clever setup with the umbrellas. Yeah. I don't want to give them credit, but like No, mm-hmm. of course. Um, but so then the aftermath of all this. So after the subway attack, police raided several of the group's compounds. Um Shinrico's labs contained so many chemical compounds that according to the authorities, they could have created enough sarin to kill four million people. Whoa. Yeah. These Fucking guys hell. were manufacturing chemical weapons on like another level. Like not only sarin, how are they but... even managing? That's like industrial scale. I have no idea. Like it was this compound just out in the middle of nowhere, Shit. and yeah, insane. So over the next six weeks, over 150 cult members were arrested for a variety of offenses. Um, and this is then just some kind of crazy stuff that went on while these investigations were going. So the chief of police was shot four times. He survived. The head of Ohm's Ministry of Science was stabbed to death outside the cult's Tokyo headquarters amidst a crowd of about 100 reporters in front of cameras. And then also a burning paper bag was discovered in a toilet in Tokyo's busy Shinjuku station. And upon examination, it was revealed that it was a hydrogen cyanide device, which had it not been extinguished in time, would have potentially released enough gas into the ventilation system to potentially kill 10,000 commuters. So this all happened after the attack while they were trying to find everyone. Like, they were still trying to kill everyone. Uh, Jesus. Yeah, insane. And then, so the cult leader then, Asahara, was finally found hiding within a wall of a cult building known as the Sixth Satian in the Kamakushiki complex. That's the one where they uh, had the microwaved incinerators. 
on the 16th of May and he was arrested on the so when he was on the same day that he was arrested the cult mailed a parcel bomb to the office of the governor of Tokyo and it blew off the fingers of his secretary's hand oh my yeah, god they were all doing all their crazy shit still uh, so he was charged with 23 counts of murder and 16 other offences but yeah, so in October 1995, they were stripped of their religious, of the status as a religious group, but the group continues to operate as a non-incorporated religion. Following Asahara's arrest and trial, the group reinvented itself under the name Aleph, and that's what it's known as now, and currently has about 2,000 members. Uh, the group still remains under regular surveillance by authorities. Uh, they're considered a terrorist group in Russia, the United States, a few places uh, throughout the world. In 2007, a splinter group called Circle of Light broke off from Aleph and those leaders claim that they're trying to return members back to their spiritual roots and away from the previous criminal activities. And finally, on the 6th of July 2018, Asahara and six other members were executed by hanging and the remaining six were executed 20 days later. So they are dead. Uh, there's also <laughs> a thing that's like... <laughs> but, <laughs> two years ago uh there's some kind of stuff that's come out about it was that um the people who kind of committed these atrocities were some of like the people in the inner circle like they were very high up they weren't like just like lay people um of the cult of the cult yeah they were like the the people in the inner circle were the ones that were going out killing people like at one point like there's so much more that they did um, that I haven't even covered. At one point, they chased a guy down and sprinkled some VX on his neck, and he like collapsed and died ten days later. Pause. What's oh. VX? It's like this chemical disease thingy. Chemical disease. Is it like thingy? anthrax. Oh, so what's sarin? I didn't want to stop you. That's the one that the Nazis were making. Is it like anthrax? I only know anthrax, as you can tell from me no, asking. No, anthrax is a powder. Yeah, but then what was? It? It's a liquid. It's a gas. Oh, sarin is you said gas. there was liquid sarin as well, though. Yeah, they have liquid. Oh, they both. (laughs) It's like a type of. uh... Fun fact: We get trained to like look out for anthrax um, attacks in Disney. So if we ever see a bunch of white stuff in uh, one of like the boats or whatever, we have to do a full like evacuation. Blah blah blah. But we historically always fuck them up, and then once we call the firemen to be like, we think we might have anthrax. It's probably just sugar. And your man literally got in, looked at it. Dipped his finger in it, licked it, and was like, nah, it's cool. It's just sugar. You're good <gasps> oh to go. Oh, my God. Because ultimately, That's if there a is baller, a... stupid, super baller move. It's like your man who licked the microphone and then got crowed for it. <laughs> yeah, but this the thing is, with anthrax, is like, by the time you've seen it, anyone who can it's too see late. it, it's too late. Yeah. So you're really yeah. just li- I've like, seen that one episode of Criminal Minds. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, that's that Japanese cult. Ooh, it was they... wild. They're really bad They're some people. cool dudes. Uh, we should look up their comics. I really urge everyone to look more into them because their shit is bad shit insane. They I'm also, kind of upset that like they had such an opportunity to include sex in their comics and they didn't. Well, I'm kind of glad they didn't. I said, no, I just feel like if you're going to be a cult, go full cult. They were already doing enough bad shit. Like, I think they tried but to they, run they for didn't, It doesn't sound like they had well. any opinion on sex. And like, you know, like all of them do. Like Jehovah's Witnesses are like, oh, don't have sex. No. And, you know. Sex they usually, only- yeah plays a big role either in the you can't have it or you have to have it sort of thing God, these people didn't care so they just wanted to manufacture bio warfare these guys are like team rocket they only yeah. have one thing on their mind <laughs> okay so in 1999 
bankrupt tennis coach Serge Benhayen took a shit. It was during this shit that he had his awakening, or to put it in his own words, I could feel something really, really beautiful. What he was experiencing, I can hear you laughing. Oh. What a beautiful opener, Julia. Oh I thought you said shift, and then I was like, no, she definitely said shit. Okay. <laughs> or to put it in his own words, I could feel something really, really beautiful. What he was experiencing wasn't just a satisfying poo, but an epiphany, and thus the not a cult, but an epiphany. An epiphany, yes. <laughs> Uh, the not a cult, but definitely a cult known as Universal Medicine was born. So Universal Medicine is the brainchild of Serge Benhayen, who is Australian and it's based in Australia, but it has many members worldwide. Um, and they are still active, very much so today, and also completely nuts. So Universal Medicine is a group whose aim is to provide healing to people with natural methods revolving around transference of energy their doctrine is known as i shit you not the way of the livingness i don't know what that's supposed to mean and the followers of it are collectively known as the student body and specific treatments such as chakra puncture which is basically like acupuncture but for your chakras i guess uh oh i don't like to think about the you know that chakra like near your genitals do they do that one too oh so that's gonna feature throughout this oh sorry No, well, not with acupuncture, but in various forms. Uh, something called an esoteric breast massage, which we're also going to get into. And the that manipulation. Yeah, that's in <laughs> Look, that we could take it either way. Uh, manipulation of the pubic bone given to people in need of healing at a price, of course. Members pump hundreds of thousands of dollars into the group by indulging in these services. They also attend seminars, workshops and other events where they can see Serge and his colleagues, often family members. But also there's like verified unregistered psychologists and doctors who back up all this stuff it's insane so they go to see them speak and they have about 2,000 devotees internationally and they rake in like a load of money Serge himself says it's about 2 million a year but that's what the cult leader is saying so I'm going to guess the number is a little bit higher um I just want to read you a little piece this is on their like about them page on their website and I just tell me if you think it makes sense So prior to the inception of universal medicine as an organization that teaches and practices and hence brings true healing and true well-being, Serge spent 20 years in the sports industry. And thus, this background gave Serge insight into the usual and more commonly known understanding schools of thought, tenants and up-to-date sciences to do with fitness, wellness and health. Personally, he was very fit and healthy, very content and financially successful with little need to change, as one would normally understand change or needing to change for something that is not working or from being not happy or discontent and therefore wanting to move on in search of more, etc. In short, is that, that's not one sentence. That is one sentence. <laughs> he needs a proofreader. In short, there was no reason whatsoever to change where he stood in his life. And hence, with no vigor, stimulation or drive, his initial interest in the healing thing, as he called it back then, was born out of born out from a deep feeling that he was at a stage experiencing a feeling he could not explain. In essence, he felt that there was a grander, <laughs> spelled incorrectly, more open truth and truthful form of life, something that contained far more than we as a human race had for it in spite of his own success, comfort and wellness in it was not it. It needs to be said and at best understood <laughs> that this was not the usual head thing in inverted commas. There were no thoughts on the matter, ideas, etc. It was, as he will say and today teaches it so, a feeling he was feeling from deep within. 
It sounds like something from Alice in Wonderland. Did he right? write this about himself in the third person? He did. I think so. He never mentions which sport he he never mentions which sport he did. He, he did the sport. He just did the sport. So, in twenty years' experience in sport, like watching it, <laughs> he was a bankrupt <laughs> tennis coach. That's that's his origin. Before he does this, oh yeah, yeah, he's yeah. bankrupt and a tennis coach. And this is like for me, I'm like, well, bankrupt. That's how you head into this sort of shite. And the tennis coach part is interesting, and it crops up later. So. Uh, Serge is like the main guy here and he espouses some crazy beliefs and unfortunately many of his followers lap up and believe. <laughs> One such belief is that he is Leonardo da Vinci reincarnated and that he holds the <laughs> highest position on the planet in terms of its spiritual ability just underneath God. His followers often call him the Messiah and refer to him as the second coming and Serge believes that all of us have lived 2,000 to 3,000 lives at least. So he also believes that he's many other people reincarnated, but the Leonardo da Vinci one is the one that's really stuck. <laughs> but why does he... Okay, so he thinks he's under God and then he thinks he's the Messiah and the Messiah is kind of like a Christian thing, isn't it? Yeah. But reincarnation isn't. <laughs> so this well, is another one of those of just like, like, let's pick and choose what works for us. Yeah. Let's pick the bits we like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so da-da. believes heavily in karmic retribu- retribution for our past crimes. This is foreshadowing for some dodgy and gross stuff that's coming up. Also believes that his daughter is the reincarnation of Winston Churchill. I can't remember her name. I don't have it here. <laughs> Get no. her, Jade. He fucking got his daughter. So he's the he's the, he's the reincarnation of Leonardo DiCaprio. No, Leonardo da Vinci. And, and his daughter um, is also the, Jesus. Yeah. And then his daughter is Winston Churchill. Yes. No, actually, he's one step below Jesus. Does he like? Does his daughter go around like smoking a cigar and be like, "We'll fight." Them on the beaches. He well, definitely just—he definitely had a fight with her and was like, "Do you know what? I'm going to sit, tell everyone you're going to turn to That's something my dad would do if he was an all-powerful cult leader. She's like heavily involved also in this cult, and she does all these talks and things about unleashing like it's about sexual empowerment for women. But she's like she'll stand on stage and there's clips. There's a really great documentary about these guys on YouTube. If you just put in Universal Medicine, it's like a 45 minute um thing, and highly recommend that if you're interested in this, watch that because it condenses it really well. But there's clips of her being like, all the women here are sex bombs. And it's so forced and so bizarre. And she's just like... Is she hot? She's a good looking girl. She is, oh, she's, she's definitely... She's really good looking. But she's, I think it's really hard to imagine a hot woman who's been called the reincarnation of Winston Churchill. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm like, I love that she's the reincarnation of Winston Churchill and she's the one who's like in charge of making sure everyone is really sexually charged. I'm like, these two things do not add up. I've seen pictures of Winston <laughs> <Sorry>. Churchill. <laughs> Would you not choose someone better for yourself? Like, no, she didn't. Her dad did. And I suppose if my dad was really rich and was like, okay, I'll bankroll you if you let me say that you're Winston Churchill, I'd definitely be like, if I was going to be the sexy one of the gang, which sounds like she is, like she's the Kim Cattrall of universal medicine, I feel like I would say that I was like the reincarnation of Shakira or like maybe someone dead, but like, you know, someone hot. All right. We're going to get into some of their weird teachings. So this is where the whole... I can't believe we haven't touched on it. We've already <laughs> laughed a lot. We haven't got into anything that's actually weird. Because uh, originally I was like, oh, will I do that until kids? And then I stumbled upon this and I was like, no, this has to be it. <laughs> uh, and here's why. So one of the big ones and something that I just find absolutely insane. Um, considering specifically that Serge has a background of 20 years in tennis, is that women shouldn't play sport. Why, you may ask? Because it thickens the vag- vaginal wall and makes the ovaries out of balance. And when they try to have kids, they won't be able to because while physically on the outside, they look like women. They are no longer no longer hormonally inside anymore. This is a former tennis coach who's making this 
like what? weird. But how? But why does he? What does he say? But the, I'm sorry. I need to hear what he says scientifically is happening for this to. I can't listen oh, to this. There's no science. <laughs> like he just says it, and that's he's it. just like, "Here's facts." He also tells people that if a man um orgasms, why specifically tennis? No, no, any all sports. sports. It's just I'm saying oh, sorry, that. I'm sorry. I think this is worse because I thought he was just saying that just women who play tennis specifically. <laughs> um, he says that if men uh, orgasm inside a woman, that they if they like if they're orgasming bad energy, then the women will hold on to it, and then it can destroy them, and so therefore. In, like orgasm within the woman is not uh, promoted he's big on tearing i agree um look you know i when that one was said to me i was like there's definitely some validity to it um keep your talking man come out of me do you think that he just can't come <laughs> i think i think it's possible that and, he like, and that's why he come. says no one's let come in a woman because i can't come he's just like having issues and he's like nobody's able to come not just me nobody I was, <laughs> you know i'm jesus so shut up he also claims <laughs> also women can't he women. claims that he can orgasm simultaneously as both the man and woman it, w- within him within him <laughs> um okay that's that's kind of akin to the whole like you pretend to be a man to have sex pretend to be a woman yes, if you're a man to have sex with Jesus uh, he so his big thing is that he teaches that illness is caused by the possession of the body by evil spirits and is reported to have told a terminally ill patient that an evil spirit had entered her liver and kidneys uh, he Julia that's sometimes you say stuff that's not miles off that name so here's my thing <laughs> is that <laughs> I'm a big believer in energy I'm very into like, new age holistic uh, treatment but I don't think that it is separate or should be used as instead of medicine. <laughs> and as we will see here, yeah, true, true. but this is like, you must follow this exact path and this path only. Also, like bad energy doesn't come into your, like up through your anus, which is also a big theme. Um, and nor do you, you cause. <laughs> no, not cults, but. That energy doesn't come up through your anus. <laughs> All right, let's move on. More okay, on the so if a male orgasm instead of a woman, she will take on his bad energy, and that if he so if if a possessed entity <laughs> is of a sexual nature, then they can invade a father's body, and whilst he sleeps at night, leave his body and rape his daughters. <laughs> sorry, that's not funny. That's not funny. It's not funny, but this is just batshit insane. What it's just so. Oh, you know the oh no, it's so sad because this guy is obviously doing really bad things, but people believe. Yes, him. this is my theory on the whole thing, oh. but we will we'll we'll circle back to that. So the next things that I'm going to talk to you about, I've actually heard him say. There are clips on YouTube of him like actually saying these things. Um. And it's just, he says it with such like a calm, just like, these are just the facts. And then you listen to what he's actually saying and you're like, oh my God, what is wrong with you? So he talks a lot about uh, the disabled community and victims of sexual abuse. And according to him, these things are karmic punishment for the crimes of past life. In order to stop you from repeating the bad things you did or are doing, you are made dis- you are to be made disabled or to be sexually abused. If you are blind, deaf, paralyzed, all of these things were done to stop you from continuing on a path where you were straying from the purpose, uh, living a wrong kind of life so that the disability is to physically stop you from doing that. Uh, if you... Or, so he says that if you're autistic, it's because you were like a tyrann- tyrannical 
dictator in your previous life. If you have Down syndrome, it's because you were an abuser. Mental, mental illness, surprise, surprise, is because you were weak, let your guard down, allowed yourself to become possessed by entities. Um, just stuff like... Just got to get rid of those entities. Just got to get rid of the entities and then you're good to go. And I'm sure if you pay him, he'll do it for you. Uh, if you are sexually abused and this is awful at any point in life, it's because you in your past life were also were you were a sexual abuser to someone else. To quote him directly, the only reason you have it done in a confessional box by a Catholic priest is because you haven't chosen to be aware of what you've done to another. So he's literally saying that kids who are sexually abused deserve it because of what they did in their past lives quote unquote what the absolute fuck yeah there must have been people within that community who have been sexually assaulted and like yes how do they feel about this they agree so it's like key to note that they offer as one of their services is like healing treatments for sexual um abuse victims which means they're essentially saying we will treat you but we also think this of you anyway so what they do is they bring these people in and it's just basically saying like you were a bad person so what has happened to you you deserved and so you have to like atone and not atone in the way that we kind of understand it i suppose with like the rosary beads or whatever but pay a lot of money and attend all these workshops and stuff like that really accept who you were and and i've got a sort of an example of this coming up um and then you can be freed from it. But also specifically with sexual abuse, their uh, treatment for it is a lot of like pressing hands on body parts, blah, blah, blah. But they have a pamphlet of where they show what happens. And it's like someone laying hands on a girl as she's lying down, but like on her pubic bone, like on her vagina and in different areas. And it's completely what? inappropriate touching. Um, But this is like a way of like getting out the negative energy because according to him, the en- like the energy that can be left behind by rape can stay in your chakras for like multiple past lives. So you could like carry it with you and you need to deal with it there and then. So it's really, really manipulative, the stuff that they talk about with within mm-hmm. well, like about sexual abuse in particular. And it's just fully like, if it happened to you, it's because you deserved it. Even if you were a child, like, oh, it's disgusting um other things that oh yeah this is another one where i'm like i have many questions as to where you came up with this theory but he uh, teaches that if you drink alcohol it makes you susceptible to being possessed by evil entities and look we've all become people that we're not proud of when we're drinking up until that point i have definitely like <laughs> jess brennan just full of demons <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then he continues on to say while this evil entity resides in your body and you decide to hold a baby that entity can then rape the baby what what oh my god this guy is so weird like that's what you're allowing this to do so you're reading my question is like what have you done to kids is my my real question like so wait i'm sorry that has to be that has to be what it is because why would you like if he's writing out this all by himself like every time he has a shit or whatever it is why would he write that unless he needed an excuse or something like that's how i would re- take that as like why would you say uh, the demons get out of your body and rape your children exactly that is this is all alleged it's oddly specific <laughs> i would like to just point out that this is just as theorizing we have no proof oh, yeah. however don't let us get sued uh you know it's something to to think about um or something not to think about ever again after you listen to this yeah um, so oh, some of their like the legitimacy, I guess, of their medical practice. So it's important to note that all of their practitioners are unlicensed and unregistered. Nothing is accredited. None of their practices are accredited, just in case you were wondering. Um, so one of their whole thing, the big thing that they sort of talk about is the esoteric breast massage, which apparently is only done by women to women, costs $60 a head, supposedly, uh, sorry, 
cost $60 a head. The claim is that the massage can cure or prevent breast cancer. And surprise, surprise, has absolutely no grounding in medical legitimacy whatsoever. And when he was asked what aspect of failing health this massage is meant to address, his response was disconnecting of the bodies. So real specific, real specific. Um, can he not get like shut down by the medical police or something? Like, not if he's not advertising it. So this is how this is how like you have Herbalife and you have DoTerra managing to convince people that they can cure cancer because if so long as the primary body isn't saying specifically that it cures anything, yeah, it's fine. And if he's not actually he's not selling food supplements, which makes it way easier yeah they're not selling anything they're just like it's like it's all about wellness if you look up any of their promotional videos it's like people dancing and doing yoga and it's it's i can see how if you're into like the new age sort of stuff you would very easily fall into the trap and i would say to anybody who's like i believe in energy and stuff like myself if anyone wants certain amount of money if anyone wants to touch you inappropriately immediately run away because they're 100 percent just lying to you and taking advantage it's like the biggest red flag ever Serge describes modern medical science as a supernatural conspiracy against his and his own specific esoteric truths. So thinks that science is coming for him specifically and working against him. <laughs> Me. Yeah. <laughs> the second coming, the Messiah. Um, also, when you are part of his practice, you have to stop completely all medical treatments that you are on and pay him shit tons of money. Memories must follow a diet which limits what you can eat. So you can't have gluten, coffee, dairy, certain vegetables such as carrots and potatoes. And the diet in itself has long been criticized for not being healthy long term. And in 2018, a 10-month-old baby was uh, who was on said diet was admitted to the emergency room because of its effects. So they forced everybody to be on this diet, including kids. Yeah. Um, so universal... What are you allowed to eat, you know? Just other... It looks... I saw some clips and it's just like real sort of boring veg some meat um but it seemed like because you know like if you're gluten-free and you're vegan people still have fun with their food these people do not it's just like the bare basics um can't even have yeah no carrots no potatoes just bizarre um so universal medicine has affected thousands of families across the world and one such example is matt sutherland and his wife sarah so they got involved in the group when sarah got really involved with their family and matt was like i'll be a supportive husband and i'll go along he joined to be a supportive partner partner and as her involvement grew their relationship became rocky he remained skeptical but supportive until he reached his tipping point (laughs) a universal medicine uh hands-on healing session so he's partnered up with another man had to lie uh lie down on like a table face down and during the workshop he could feel the man touching his butt not like going into it but just sort of like touching around the area <laughs> i'm sorry for laughing so mm-hmm. man's just kind of like i don't know what the fuck is going on but okay and at the end of the thing he gets up and he's like what were you doing and the man strikes straight to his face was just like i just pulled an energetic snake out of your ass and then proceeded to ask Matt if he watched porn <laughs> <laughs> so if you watch the documentary that i mentioned earlier Matt himself tells the story. Did he say us? That, well, this is what this is verbatim what Matt has said that I'm I'm quoting Matt. Um, eventually, Matt has to walk away from the group, including his wife, who stays in it, and she takes her their two kids with her. She remarries one of the like higher ups in the universal medicine and is still a big supporter of the group. And there are videos on YouTube of her being like, "You should join us, and we're amazing." Blah blah blah. Um, Matt says that Serge is a master at creating divides between people, sowing seeds of doubt and making them believe, making them believe that in order to move up in the spiritual hierarchy, they need to leave people from their lives that hold them back behind. So friends, family, anyone who would make them see sense, essentially. And what, 
So like every like other cold every other ever cold. existed. Ever. I also would like to point out that when you Google universal medicine on the first page on Google, you get a bunch of like articles about them, including like Wikipedia and different people that have written about them. And then the first uh, thing that comes up from their own website is a thing that says, why we're not a cult. So <laughs> that's, you know, and it's a real in-depth essay, similar to what I read out previously. So you can imagine what it's like. Um, so once they're, these people are isolated, he's able to get all their money out of them. And we see this specifically in the case of um, Judith McIntyre. When she became ill, she looked for guidance, for answers, and she found universal medicine. In a video that she does promoting, uh, sorry, she also, she had cancer, she had breast cancer. In a video that she does promoting the group from her hospital bed, she talks about how she's no longer scared of what's to come, i.e. death, but is in fact excited. And in this video, she herself, she blames herself for her cancer, saying that her past choices and mistakes are the reason that she's now ill. She dies four weeks after the video is made, despite living on the universal medicine diet for two years and for like going through their practices. So remember, their practices are sold to people as we can cure you or we can like stop this. Mm-hmm. But obviously that doesn't happen because she still passes away. And during her last days, she was surrounded only by people from universal medicine. So all of her friends and stuff from universal medicine, but also nurses from universal medicine and financial advisors. So to help her with her will and like um, and stuff like that, like they're all from the group. I'm sure they only had her best 100%. wishes at heart there. Uh, after her death, her daughter Sarah found emails between Serge and Judith in which Serge is trying to get Judith to remove her kids from the will entirely and give all of her money to him. He's telling Judith that her kids claim her kids' claims to her money were an attack to the work of the hierarchy as in like the spiritual group uh, here on Earth. And in general, Serge teaches people that leaving money to their kids will harm both the kids and the parents in the next lives. And in order to protect themselves, the best thing to do is shocker. Give the money to Universal Medical. Or Universal Medicine. <laughs> uh, so in total, Judith gives Serge $1.4 million. What, this lady was yeah. Well, his annual, his annual $2 million has to be wrong if one lady gave him $1.4 yeah. million. Unless everyone else is super poor, but it just seems unlikely. I mean, why do you want poor people in your cult? You only want rich people. Yeah. Yeah, true. I, I heard poor people don't even have energetic stakes in their books. No, they're too pure from already being poor. Um, it's just a rich people thing. So it gets dodgier than it already is because he's got a fun track record with kids. In October 2018. Oh, oh he goes into Julia. No, I'm sorry. I don't want to hear anymore. End of the episode. Bye bye, everyone. I don't have many like details or facts. It's hard to find. But in October 2018, he was found to have an indecent interest in girls as young as 10 and be guilty of inappropriate behavior with children. I can't find what exactly that is. Uh, The jury of the case also found that he was not a fit person to be holding a working with children certificate. In 2020, a UK judge ordered a mother to immediately and permanently break ties with the group or risk losing custody of her daughter. The father of the child in question provided compelling evidence that the teachings and influence of the group could be harmful to the girl. And in July of this year, uh, the mother lost full custody of her daughter as she failed to make a clear break from the group and so the father was able to get the daughter back so go him oh God. I mean like especially over your child if you're a man so yeah. they must be pretty fucking bad yeah. uh, he's known for having had teenage girls spend time in his house his current wife he met when she was 13 years old I couldn't find what age he was but I think that he was in his 20s I don't think he was 13 I think he was in his 20s yeah. um, cool. but yeah it it, they, whenever it gets said, it's always like, she was 13. And it, you just understand from the tone that he was not supposed to be around 13-year-olds at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the story can't be told without mentioning a phenomenal woman called Esther Rockers, or Esther 
rocket. She was aggressively pursued them through the courts, much to her own detriment. Um, and she alleges on her site that Ben Hayen has been having young girls over as young as 10 to stay in the site uh, in his home for like at least 20 years. So he's been doing this with like multiple girls over a long time. And she doesn't have like concrete evidence, but people she's spoken to within the organization seem to give her that information. She's incredible because she, they sued her for defamation twice and it completely bankrupted her, but she won both cases. And basically what happened is that she was feeling kind of down. She was feeling crap. She had low energy. So she went, she wasn't, she's a, she was a registered acupuncturist herself. So she was like, this is sort of like my kind of vibe. I'm going to go. And she met him. And then he like, I think he took her hand or else he had his hand on her abdomen. I can't remember which. And started just being like, when you were a baby, you had this awful situation with the man and just kept saying, similar things about like men doing bad things to her up until she was 15 and she was like get the fuck away from me you creep and that was what set her off she was like this guy is doing this to other people and probably doing worse so i'm gonna like investigate the crap out of this um and they attacked her they like stalked her they harassed her they like were at her on her case they tried to get her unregistered as an acupuncturist because they were like she's a troll and she has a blog so she's obviously a psychopath and can't be trusted around people despite us having no like at all legitimacy in the medical field we're going to tell you that you can't do it but it's largely thanks to the persistent work of esther the judges of the supreme court in australia made the decision to label universal medicine group as a socially harmful cult um so because so that's like the official judgment on them and it's all over this is why they have a whole thing being like this is why we're not a cult um but it's all over uh the internet especially when you google them that they are officially labeled as a cult because uh, they take everybody's fucking money another weird fact about them and like if you have nothing to hide which is what Serge likes to say all of the time then you wouldn't be doing this following thing which is hiring a group they're a private investigative group called Phoenix Global for online reputation management and bringing forth complaints <laughs> to Google to, to like remove articles that are critical of them and Google Australia have admitted to removing at least 15 articles from their search engine for them like what? you don't do that if everything's chill and okay and you can refute all these claims yeah and that is the story of universal medical so from what i can see he's still active he's still around he's not been arrested for anything yet but he's a dodgy dodgy fucker and i would stay away from him and watch the documentary documentary is fascinating and it's real quick they, they do a stellar stellar job what a creep oh my god he sounds horrific i'm really gonna watch that documentary there fuck me julia yeah Ugh. yeah I feel kind of a bit like no comment. Well, I think that was the whirlwind. It is because it starts off so like, oh, it's all this energy, and then you're like, oh, why did you tell everyone you had this idea when you had a shit? I'm still on that. That was my favorite part. That's this is the thing I don't understand is that he said I, you can watch the interview where he's like, this is what happened, and you can tell when he's saying it that he's like, here's a profound story for you. But I'm like, you're just well, he doesn't say the word shit. To be fair, he just says he's on the toilet. I use some creative license there, but I mean, if you're on the toilet long enough to have an epiphany, you're taking a shit. Yeah, fair. There's also a lot of thing about aliens and how aliens are all around and smelling us all the time, but I couldn't grasp that concept well enough. So I was just like, I'm going to leave this one <laughs> I can't out. People believe you left the aliens. I'm so excited. Alien sniffing. sniffing aliens. It's in the documentary. <laughs> oh, that's mad. Um, well, yeah, that's our episode for now. Uh, as we've said if you want to find out more about these cults uh there are many documentaries and books and stuff out there on them i would really suggest that you do because we didn't get to cover them in as much detail as we wanted i pretty much just use that one netflix documentary plus a few articles and wikipedia you are hack i am a hack um also if you want to 
look up more cults. There's some great ones. Go for it. We recommend the ones that have comic books with them. Yes, a comic books and uh, energetic snakes yeah. that come out of people's butts. I'm so. I wonder if I have energetic snakes in my butt. You definitely have something in your butt. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who's anyway, listened to the podcast before would hardcore agree. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, before we delve into Lucy's butt, it's now time for the. <laughs> no, no, no. You can delve into my butt. I don't mind. And now it's time for the cop on a time where we tell people to basically get some sense and cop on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my cop on this week is for anyone that was involved in. The event that went on in Berlin Bar in Dublin over the weekend. Um, I don't know if anyone has seen. There's like a video of this guy hanging off the bar, pouring shots into people's mouths. Everyone is dancing kind of on top of each other. I think it might have started off as okay. But then obviously after a few drinks, everyone kind of went all over the place. And honestly, it's just kind of a bit of a kick in the teeth to everyone. Um, And it's really stupid because now the government have latched onto it and instead of being rightfully angry and talking about um, what's going on in the meat factories and direct provision they're now like using this as a kind of scapegoat um, which is really stupid so just yeah cop on don't be having fucking mad events in bars while there's a global pandemic going on I suppose by the time this episode comes out we'll see if there's a brilliant close to you <laughs> yeah yeah I uh, my cop on this week is uh, another pandemic related one. Woo woo. We all need the reminder. I was in um, the news agents across the road and as I'm walking in, I notice a man who is bent over because he's coughing so hard. He has no mask on. He's got an armful of Heineken cans. And it's like 7 p.m. on a Saturday. I cannot believe people are being this selfish. I can't believe it. I'm not being dramatic. I can't believe it. I can't believe you're going to shop without a mask on. can't believe you'd leave the house if you had a cough. What's the number one thing not to do if you have a cough, if you have any of the symptoms? So that's a cough or a fever or a sore throat. You're supposed to go and be tested and isolate. If you want to prioritize going to get yourself seven Heineken. And I mean, this is a nasty cough. This wasn't like a, this wasn't like a little, <laughs> this man was like retching. Ugh. Honestly, cop on, cop on. You know what you're supposed to do. Everyone knows what they're supposed to do. Just cop on. Disgusting. My cop on this week is a hark back to the Mangelis, I guess. Very similar to those sort of vibes. <laughs> Which is um, to the man that I was talking to on Bumble, who turned out to have, you know, be at, at least white supremacist adjacent and talk to me about um, the globalist agenda and how George Soros is evil. Um, which look not debating but he's not evil because he's Jewish which is what the globalist agenda usually means um I don't know why he thought that I would want to hear it or would want to continue said conversation because when I ended the conversation he sent me a big long message in which he said I could tell immediately from when we started talking how you would think and I could tell you what you wanted to hear but then I wouldn't be true to myself so buddy if you knew that we weren't aligned the fuck were you talking to me for you wasted my time and you're a prick um so cop on And that is the episode for this week. Thank you so much for listening to us bamble on about cults. Did you say Babylon? I said Babylon. I think I think I said Bambalon. Yes, Bamble. There was a clear M. <laughs> there was an M in there. Uh, I've been talking for far too long. Um, if you would like to follow us on any social media, 
on Instagram, we are at the cop on underscore pod. On Twitter, we are at the cop on pod. And if you'd like to send us an email, we are at the cop on pod at gmail.com. Uh, please leave us a little rating, a review. You can tell us who your favorite cult is. Are you a Scientology fan? Do you have an energetic stake in your butt? Yeah. Do you want to make loads of chemical weapons? Always. I'm not going to make a joke relating to children. No, 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 no. no, no, no. (laughs) If you want a comic book that has a naked picture of me with two sexy men in it, ask. I I can whip one up. She can. uh, That's our Patreon. We're going to call them the Lou Letters. I'll start them this week. (laughs) Join us next week when we're coming back as the reincarnation of Winston Churchill.